Hey everybody, I'm Pastor DJ Laron. With me as always as Sarah DeYoung and Dana Mashevsky, and welcome to this latest episode of That Podcast. What's going on? Ooh, what happened to the little sound machine? It's oh, way over there. It's, oh, it's by me. <laughs> it's almost the end of summer. I know, that's right? Cr- it's August. Oh, wait, that's, that's the wrong sound for that. Wait, oh, it'll <laughs> go on forever. <laughs> oh, that's better. Mm-hmm. So I was just noticing, I, it is coming to the end, end of summer, but I really like your hat. Thank you. It's really cool. For those uh, wondering what it looks it like, <laughs> it's got it's got just, it's really bright colored uh, green and, and, and pink and yellow uh, over a hat that it looks like it's some kind of cheetah, it, print. Mm-hmm. Cheetah, cheetah print, but the bright sign says UFTA across the front. It's, it's how I was feeling today. It's the most Sarah hat like, possible, <laughs> just cheetah print, floral print. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Midwestern sayings. Yep. Midwestern sayings. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. It's been a real oof of a, a day. <laughs> really? Kind, kind of. of well, why do you say that? You know, just some some of the things that people choose to do in their day. <laughs> <laughs> Humanity is an interesting yep. collection of Yep. Yes, it's an it's an in- interesting mix of um uh, uh human Mhm stuff it's the weird like <laughs> back to school season so there's just a lot of people everywhere and that's true weird like people not working midway during the week because they're trying to get their kids ready for back to school oh, sure. and all the things I happening i went to the cities this weekend and i forgot Ooh. that like that did you go to the mall of america y- yes it, i i bought a lot of things but it was also just so many people that's the mall of america for <laughs> yep. you i've heard that they don't heat that building I don't, I don't know, know if that's a, a, a myth or not, or if it's just all body heat from people walking around, especially around Christmas time. I could see that. I always remember my friends from college talking about like Black Friday at the Mall of America. And I think that's my nightmare. I've mm. done it. You have? We, we did it last year. Really Never weird. again? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like I bought things on Black Friday, but what I did was I found them in store and then ordered them online when we got back. Oh, in the nice. It was cool. not worth waiting in line mm-hmm. to buy them. That's a smart way to do it. Yeah. Just yeah. take a Literally, a I tried everything it. on in the stores, and then it, whatever I liked, yep. I ordered order, order. because <laughs> the lines were so long. Well, you must have you must have um, a good amount of patience then, too, because, you know, sometimes it's like no. instant <laughs> gratification to buy. But no. I, oh, so you I, suffered until yeah. it came. <laughs> I think it's almost, though, like I really like ordering stuff online because it's the instant gratification of, oh, I've got new stuff coming. And then oh, like yeah. in but three I'm, to five days, it's like, oh, look, a gift. No, see, my the word, like I'm great as long as you don't give me like a shipping notification of okay. like, oh. hey, look, your thing has shipped. No, because now I'm going to sit there and I'm going to track it. The second I get it, I <laughs> will click like on it and go, minutes, refresh. why hasn't has it, it shipped yet? It you said it shipped and it's still sitting at the yeah. warehouse. Even why, though it's why is the it day in you LA? said it shipped. Why is it in LA? Why did it go there? <laughs> Why isn't it? No patience. (laughs) Instant gratification. Have you ever uh, tracked a shipping thing and you've seen it literally go through the town that you're in? Yeah. Yep. And go further in the opposite direction before my Christmas cards this year. I went to track and I looked at it. I go, huh? Because it was. I ordered them. Yeah, I ordered them on Shutterfly and I saw them go from like Denver all the way over to New Jersey. I'm like that's a weird route to take. And then it was like out for delivery in New Jersey. Like, well, uh, Moorhead, Minnesota and this like town in New Jersey. drive them to your door. Yeah, that's a long shift. (laughs) (laughs) I 
always get very confused <laughs> when my things go through West Fargo because I'm like, yeah, why am I in West Fargo? Why is the center in West Fargo? Right. I'm in Fargo. Yep. You overshot it by about yes, uh, 10 miles. Back tish. it up. Back it up. <laughs> we got a package because you mentioned it's getting back to school. First time I've seen this done, um, Melissa bought all of Dylan's school supplies online oh. and they came in one box. Nice. Oh. And I was just like, that's wow. Um, yeah. I've never do, thought of that. Yeah. Do kids, I used to get so excited to like pack my backpack for back to school. Mm-hmm. Do your kids get excited to do that? Or is it like, does so, the little one, does Dylan still get excited and the other ones don't? I think Dylan, Dylan does, but mm-hmm. last year was kind of an outlier because pre prior to that, it oh, had yeah. been COVID season. Mm-hmm. So his first two years of school was COVID yeah. learning. Oh yeah. And so last year was really kind of his first normal school year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Normal, normal everything. So yeah, that was, that was kind of interesting. And uh, so he's pretty pumped, I think this time around. Uh, but he's also like, he's eight. And I just noticed this summer, I think he's grown about a foot this summer. Oh, man. Like he's just stretching out, just getting taller and taller. So, yep. but yeah, he's, he's fun. He's fun. The other two, um, Addie's already got senioritis. She's already counting down the days until <laughs> really? she graduates. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is senior yeah, year is like, eh, whatever. It's the best year yet. All the fun, but all also the fun. all the stress. I was like, I don't remember being excited at all. Cause I was also just nervous that that meant that it ended. And then I had to be an adult. Yeah. Mm. Had to pick what you're going to do start next. Adulting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're all into the, uh, looking at different schools and oh. figuring out what those things are. And my first experience with a senior needing senior pictures. Oh, yeah. yep. That is interesting. Is a, yep. That's all. That is an industry. <laughs> it is. Oh yeah. And I feel like every year it just gets more and more complex and oh, bigger. My mo- One of my mom's good, like high school friends, she's a photographer and she like did mine and she did like half my class and everything. But I follow like her photography page on Facebook and she posts her little like previews. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is so dramatic. Why, why are we like the poses just got so weird now where I'm like, but also I look back at like some of like, like not mine. Cause I wouldn't do them, but other <laughs> ones from like my, and I was like, like they're still dumb. Poses are still it's dumb. The senior, it's a very specific, like I remember when I graduated high school, it was like you, you have to pose like against a graffiti wall or right. on a train track. Right, right. What was with the train tracks? <laughs> it's just the thing. Didn't, it, I wouldn't do it. It was so cool. I, that made, I did like industrial, like fire, like I had a fire escape. I, yep. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I won't do I train one tracks, of those. fire escape. It must be a Midwest thing because mine was on the West Coast. That's Mm -hmm. where I lived at the time. And so it was more, you had had shots of the ocean and you had shots of nature and and, and those were kind of the big ones. And then you go in the studio and it's like going into like the JCPenney photography Mm -hmm. thing, you know, with a backdrop (laughs) and whatnot. (laughs) Make this weird pose. But what I wonder about, right, um, Addie is practically a self-made professional photographer already with her phone. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking like, I don't think she has a whole lot of pictures unless she, she has a Polaroid camera too. And she can print pictures in Polaroids mm-hmm. and, and they're kind of neat. They're this little nostalgic thing. Yeah. But what in the world is she going to do with senior 
pictures. It's not like people. They're not for her. They're for you. I, yeah. Apparently, but I know where they're going to go. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're going to go in a storage box. <laughs> And that's where they're going to be. Well, some well, of hopefully them. you at least have like one. Yeah. Like you print one. <laughs> part of, and you part of it, it is so that way when you, she goes back to your guys's house that there's still like this senior year, like 18 year old shrine. You need yeah. a shrine. Yeah. yeah. And then eventually it'll be a shrine, like an additional shrine for each other kid down okay. the road. Yeah. Okay. And you just have a, like mm-hmm. just one specific wall in your house that goes, those are our kids. Mm-hmm. And well, and, it. and then it'll get updated when she gets married. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That's and then when she has kids, you'll take them down yep. and replace them. So I and I get that because that's kind of like what it was twenty years ago mm-hmm. in in my parents' house. But now all of the pictures, like everything, is is digital. Like uh, my wife was even saying, all the we have all these pictures. Why don't we just you know send them to a company and get them all digitized? I'm like, no. I want these old pictures. Well, there's something <laughs> satisfying about, like, I'm re- working on right now printing out just, like, pictures from my phone and all that stuff, and I am convinced that I will lose my memory fully at some point, so I'm writing on the back of them, like, this is the story involved with this one. This is who's in it. <laughs> but there's something satisfying about physically going through, like, printed out yeah. photos. There, There is. There is. And uh, the last time I actually went through any of our actual photos, because I ended up inheriting all of the photos from my childhood that survived a flood here in nine 97. Yep. It, it was later than that. It was uh, the summer of 2000. Oh, okay. Okay. And so, not um, the dramatic one. Right, right. Not, yeah, I was there for that one too. Uh, this was, this was, um, it was like a, it was an, a weird kind of flood where it was just like, it just kept raining and raining and raining one summer and a bunch of houses down, um, in South Fargo flooded because there's storm drains on the streets weren't oh, open properly. Uh, Anyway, our house was one of them. My parents' house was one of them. So all of my childhood possessions are gone. I, I have not really nothing. At least you have like a tragic story to match yours. <laughs> you don't have that? No. No? Nope. They're just poof. They're just poof. Yep. Just disappeared oh. one day. Yep. So I, the pictures that did survive, uh, you know, because it was the basement that flooded and all my worldly possessions mm-hmm. as a college student was in the basement. And basically I got a check that bought me a computer for when I went off to seminary and that's, it's kind of nice to start fresh. But when, when uh, we were getting ready for my mom's funeral, I went through all those pictures and it was just this rush of nostalgia and memory mm-hmm. and things like that, which was really kind of cool and be able to read the back. And mm-hmm. there are things in there that I had either forgotten about or knew nothing about. And, and that was kind of neat that I don't think you get with a digital record. Mm -hmm. Although when I go and look at the pictures that are digital, I can kind of see a time frame of my, my entire family, the girls getting older and Dylan being born. And I remember Mm -hmm. where we were at those different times. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm kind of back and forth. I like the digital, but I also like actual pictures. It's the mix of, it's so nice. The ease of being able to take pictures now Mm -hmm. than it used to be, but then you don't have the physical, like you don't get the excitement of printing them and then looking through what's in this batch. Was your finger covering the flash in the disposable camera? That is the one thing of like, it is nice to have the physical ones, but like at least now you know that you took a good photo and you don't have to wait for it. And then you're like, look at that. I ruined it. Well, that was a waste. (laughs) The nice thing also about the digital ones too, is that they go as big as your screen. So if you have a big screen, you get a, Mm-hmm. Big picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, anyway. Did that's, Daddy take soccer ones? Uh, she hasn't taken them yet. Oh, we have the will? we have the pre-photo session meeting, which I'm not exactly oh. sure what that is. That that's is planning out the outfits, man. Yeah. 
I, I have multiple not, outfit changes. DJ's like, I'm just going to be there with the debit card yep, I'm just to swipe say. and nod. That's my role. That's that's exactly yep. what my role is. And I have no say in any of the rest of the stuff. Yep. Unless they want to use me as a measure to be like anything that dad likes, the answer is no. So. <laughs> oh, I like that one. No, nope. we're not doing that. Never mind. And well, and this is being both my daughter and my wife. Oh. So it's like, just tell me what you want me to yep. do. Well, anyway... Speaking of daughter and wife, um, right now we're in the sermon series confronting Christianity, and I think up until the last two, I don't think any of the questions per se were really contentious or could be really contentious. Uh, but the one I'm working on this week for this next upcoming Sunday, uh, for the Sunday August seventh, is is a is a contentious one, and. The one prior could be, um, but I was resp- I, I was surprised by, I, I should say, I, not surprised so much, but just um, validated by the responses that I've gotten back uh, from the the group of people that the sermon was was seeking to address. The question for last Sunday was, "Doesn't Christianity denigrate women?" And it was. Um, it, it it was um, affirming, I should say, of the feedback that I've gotten since from women saying, you know, there was things that were shared that they'd never heard before, that um, that they were moved by it, that they could could feel God speaking um, uh, into their lives through it. So I wanted to talk to both you about it, uh, mm-hmm. being as you're both women and I'm not. Mm-hmm. So what do I know? Um, about that question. So I'm going to ask a little differently. And, and if I get your guys feedback on this, mm-hmm. do you think that, well, do you think that Christianity historically or even today puts women in a second class status? Or do you think that the Bible, I'm going to ask a couple questions. You can answer what you want. Do you think that the Bible puts women down? Um, if you don't think either one of those things, and, and why? If you don't think either one of those things, why why do, do you think the culture that we live in believes these canards? If you're wondering what a canard is, my wife asked me because I use it on Sunday. <laughs> uh, uh, canard means fake news. It's a it's a it's a fake it's a fake narrative. Mm-hmm. That's a canard. Okay. Okay. Who wants to go first? Well, I guess I would say I've never in reading the Bible felt that it was treating women as second class or like lesser than. I think that I've always thought that it's more of the culture surrounding, you know, if you think about it, even the constitution is written in mostly he, him pronouns because at the time, yeah, that's what it was talking to. Right. So I guess I've always thought of it's more the culture of how, people who translated it and the people who were reading it at the time and things like that have translated and taught and spoke to those messages versus what the Bible actually says. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'd agree with that just cause it's like, I don't think the Bible specifically, but I think just like people have used it mm-hmm. as that way when really that's not what it's about. And it's just like, that's their excuse to yeah. keep doing that. It's yeah. just to use that even though that's not what it's saying. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think there's something to that. I, I think there also is a history. Because historically. Of using the Bible for power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And interestingly enough, the Bible would agree with you in, in its narrative as it lays, it lays it out. When I was giving the message, the first thing I did, though, was I showed a, a clip from um, <clears throat> Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Because Rebecca McLaughlin uses that as her, as her um, image of explaining what's actually happening. Uh, doesn't the Bible, you know, denigrate women, uh, attack their reputation, deny their importance? Um, it's kind of like if you, if you, spoiler alert, you guys have read all the Harry Potter books, right? Seen all the movies? I've seen all the movies. Okay. Since when? I finished this year for the first time. Oh, okay. Well, Harry but Potter. I was like, the- I don't remember. <laughs> but, but you've read <laughs> books. You've read book seven, right? No, I've never read any. You've never read any. Never read but any you've seen, them, but seen, you've seen the movies. Yeah. Okay. And you as well? I have not read all of them. Okay. Do you know, have you seen all but the I've movies? I've seen all of them. You've seen and all I them. know what happened. Like I've okay. also read that section of the book. <laughs> that was I actually, will admit to that. In, pre- in preparing the message, that was my biggest worry. I'm like, which, which am kid's hearts am I going to, am I going to crush by like, spo- but I'm like, the movie's 10 years old. The book is yeah. even older than it's that. It's at its time. Yeah. Right. Right. You've had I your chance. I remember going with my mom to pick up that book at the release. Right. Oh. At like midnight. Oh, that was so... I, I hope there's something like that again, because that was a that was kind of a neat time, mm-hmm. uh, where like this this culture of of YouTube and uh, online TikTok, all that stuff, everything's a screen. Are like going and getting books and opening books mm-hmm. and I mean, reading like books. the release of this book is like the biggest thing yeah. happening. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Anyway, in the scene, uh, you have Severus Snape. Uh, doing an unforgivable curse, the 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 killing curse, um, on uh Dumbledore, and what you hear Dumbledore say right before he does it, and Harry's watching in the distance, and all these bad guys are there, is he just says Severus, please, and it seems like he's begging Severus, uh, Professor Snape, the the mm-hmm. professor none of us like, to not do this. And and the whole thing in the story is is he on Dumbledore's side or is he not on Dumbledore's side? He makes an he makes an unbreakable vow that he will do this right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense that Snape's Snape's a uh, he's the evil he's one. Evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's we were a double always agent. Right? He's mm-hmm. awful. <laughs> he's awful. He's awful. Right? Um, however, when you get into book seven, when you get into the the eighth movie because they split the last one into, into two. Um, we discuss- Remember when they did that for everything? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Harry Potter, for ruining everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything has to be two parts, not the end. <laughs> Got to squeeze in every dollar, yep. every little bit. Uh, you discover that, that this was actually Dumbledore's re- request because Dumbledore was dying. He was, he was dying from a mm-hmm. curse that wouldn't be changed. And so for his great plan to be carried out to defeat um, Lord Voldemort and to save Harry Potter, he recruited Snape to be the one to finish him off mm-hmm. in the end. Uh, mm-hmm. And also to protect Draco Malfoy. Because mm-hmm. he knew Draco couldn't do it. Right. Well, and in the book, I think it says like his, his, his soul has not been tainted yet by taking a life. Mm-hmm. Almost like I it's don't like care about protecting him. I don't care about you, Snape, but we're not going to hurt <laughs> right. Draco. You've already killed yeah. people. This kid <laughs> has a chance. We can save him. But does he? 
Well, the point being is that is that when you see it that way mm-hmm. and you look back on it, he's not begging Snape not to do this. He's saying, "Come on, yeah, do it before please someone mm-hmm. else does," which changes the entire understanding of what what was read. Mm-hmm. It's the same with the Bible on on most usually contentious issues that if you if you don't understand the entire narrative and you're picking and choosing certain verses that by themselves would speak you know negatively about one group of people whether it's women whether it's you know uh, other ethnicities yeah I mean it, it can seem pretty harsh. But when you look at the overall narrative of what's being shared, that's where things get much clearer. And I, I've had this thinking for a while that as the centuries have gone on, as, as humanity has progressed um, in knowledge and in uh, life expectancy and health and technology, um, we're discovering more of a uh, a biblical ethic than originally. Like the the point that I would make is the things that we take for granted but we value in our modern culture, it's very easy to look at the past and say what a bunch of bigots and this they and that. They didn't know and, anything. Right. <laughs> However, when you look at something like an ancient ancient collection of books like the Bible that has it is really it, it really is the soul of western society because we, we're in Western society, <laughs> values like liberty, justice, freedom, equality, uh, they had to start someplace. They didn't just come about last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really the place that started all that is is the Bible. So, so it took us a long time in the United States, um, uh, relatively speaking, to reach a point where we have women's suffrage and at least in the law of the land, equal rights, equal, equal out, um, not equal outcomes, but equal opportunities under the law for men and women. But how do we get there? Well, it was, it was the Bible. That was really the driving force. And what do I mean by that? So there's a couple things. Um, <clears throat> one thing has to do with the word metaphor. Do you know what a metaphor is? Mm-hmm. What's a me- what, like what a comparison? Yeah, I did until you asked me. <laughs> it's almost like, oh yeah, I know what a metaphor is. Wait, what? <laughs> Do I though? It's a comparison that does not use like or as. That'd okay, be so then what's the one that? Okay, thank you. Nice. <laughs> Always See, remember. Because I don't remember which is which. Now explain irony, because I never can figure that one I out. I can't get that one. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is Alanis Morissette's song is not ironic. No, it's, no, it's, it's a not. whole lot of. Uh, coincidences or something mm-hmm. like that yeah <laughs> isn't it ironic it's a great See, song now i'm just questioning everything about everything <laughs> <laughs> it's a good song though yes. great now that's gonna be stuck in my head yep here's Sorry. your earworm for the day all right so probably the best known the best known metaphor it, everyone knows it if i say it you'll know how to respond it all the world's uh comes from william shakespeare all the Oyster? world is a stage oh okay. yep the world's a stage yeah the world is a stage and all of the people are simply actors, actors. that's from william shakespeare Dana's still like what Dana's still like, an I, oyster no i'm like i did not do six, six, uh, shakespeare shakespeare yeah, him in high school missed it skipped it wow you, t- you good timing i think i did romeo and juliet 
Uh, Romeo and Juliet. Never any others. <laughs> well, often that's pointed to as, as like... Hamlet's Lion King, that's all. <laughs> 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 that's as much as I got. It's a great version well, of it. <laughs> I know I know Hamlet from, from Billy Madison. That's pretty much it. <laughs> that's also a great oh, version. Yeah. <laughs> the skull. <laughs> to die, <laughs> to sleep. <laughs> anyway, uh, that is a good example of what a metaphor is. I didn't use like a rat. Oh yeah, I guess it, all the world is a stage. Yep. And, the world. and all the people are actors rather mm-hmm. than like. It's right? more literal like than right. simile. When we talk in metaphor. I'm not good with like the English <laughs> language. All of this is just like, mm. no. It's like going back to English 101. <laughs> it's amazing what we discover when we do this. Yep. <laughs> A lot of what you see in the Bible um, is giving uh, imagery or metaphor because God is, we can't see God mm-hmm. and God is beyond our comprehension. So we necessarily need metaphor in order to understand who God is and what God's expectations are. And so the way, the way I am, um, worded, you know, what is, what is a metaphor? It's something that suggests something else by relationship, association, or resemblance, or in other words, a symbol. Like mm-hmm. you guys know what symbols are, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they, they point you to something. Well, in the beginning, when we hear about creation in the beginning, before it says Adam and and then Adam was put to sleep and and Eve came from his rib or or from his side, however you want to read that, you have you have the creation story of the six days and in there it speaks about male and female humans, and male and female humans together equal a living metaphor for God. So it's not one or the other; it's both. They're both. You know, it says. Um, uh, in the beginning, God made them uh, uh, in his own image, male and female, he created them. That's that's kind of the point, that from the beginning, there's not a um, a hierarchy. Like, mm-hmm. here's God, then right under the, God is the angels, and under God, and under the angels is males, and under him is females, and then you get children, and then, you know, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, mammals and... You know, whatever the mm-hmm. order of animals you want yeah, down to, like, like a minerals. pyramid system. Exactly. Right. Which the medieval church did look at it that mm-hmm. way. And that kind of structure doesn't come from the Bible. It actually comes from Greek philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my bone I like to chew on with Greek <laughs> philosophy and all the things that it is and isn't. Um, but from the beginning, male and female are created equal and are made in God's image, both of them. So they're they're the same they're the same in God's eyes they're equal and yet they are both unique because how could God have chosen to reproduce humans He could have made us asexual mm-hmm. um not a space sexual whatever that means mm-hmm. asex like One able word. able to just reproduce yourself make mm-hmm. a carbon copy of yourself clones um, uh, <laughs> There, there are animals that do that. I mean, um, uh, snakes. There are certain snakes that can do that, which is just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did not learn that on the uh, <laughs> Copperhead snake uh, can reproduce itself without any oh. male and female 
Comprehensive. There was like a fish that could do that. Yep. Also jellyfish. Can't they also do that? Maybe. There's like a like an immortal jellyfish. It just hmm. like clones just like itself until it never really dies. An immoral jellyfish? Immortal. Like it's Oh, immortal. I thought you said immortal. I'm like And no. it's got no values. It's immoral. <laughs> yeah. What it I'm gonna look up what that jellyfish is called. I've heard of that. I've actually yeah. heard about that because I'm a I'm a fan of the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> it was yeah. down there. All you can think of is cloning for cloning is that sheep from the nineties that they clone. <laughs> oh Dolly. Dolly, yeah. yep. Or is it Polly? No, I think it was Dolly. Dolly the sheep. Wasn't she named after Dolly Parton? Yeah. I don't know. I would Wouldn't hope so. You know I I hope so. I've got my Dolly Parton shirt on today. For- I, I was I was blinded by the brilliance of your Ufta yep. hat. I missed your. Oh Dolly no! Parton when shirt. I said that like this is completely <laughs> says, the most I beg Sarah your thing, <laughs> like this is the most Sarah. Yeah. Thing. My natural form. <laughs> Just Dolly like, Parton T-shirt. All the cheetah print and Dolly mm-hmm. Parton. Yeah. This is this is the the uh, definitive <laughs> yeah. definitive Sarah. Not no no no. She's missing something. She's missing her uh, pumpkin latte. I, it's almost time. It's almost. <laughs> it's almost. <laughs> I'm like really spice. sad that summer's over and Sarah's like pumpkin spice. Oh. She was named after Dolly Parton. Fun fact. Yeah, fun fact. So on a side note, because I'm abstract random, summer's your favorite season? No. Or you just, you just, you've liked summer. <laughs> I like the idea of summer. Also for me, summer means my birthday. So I gotcha. I, mm-hmm. I I've gotcha. always liked summer. I also always liked summer because it meant that I didn't have to go to school. <laughs> oh, Sure. Just freedom. I think that's my association of liking summer. I don't like how hot it gets though. Yeah. So. Well, that's true. That is true. I I, I like fall. Sarah? Christmas season. Christmas. So November through February in my house. (laughs) In your house, but around here it's April. Like November through April is. I I get over (laughs) the snow, but yeah, Christmas. Christmas continues. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so you you talked about um, a term that is even in our Ten Commandments or not Ten Commandments in our our founding documents when it said all men are created equal. There's two ways of reading that, um, and historically we can see one of them being read that way. But in the Bible, whenever you see the word man and it's used plural, that that literally means men and women. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just mean a lot of men. Like, let us make man in our image. Um, there, the term is not male. It's It means male and female. Mm-hmm. So it's in the Bible, it's- yep, male and female equals man, which equals mankind. And mm-hmm. as language has evolved, we've made it into humankind. Mm-hmm. And now I guess humanity would probably be the most up-to-date term to describe humans, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But in the Bible, all of those mean the same thing, male and female, when it just says man, unless it's talking about a, a specific man, like like one person, like the man David. But when it talks about man in generalities, it means men and women. Okay. You know, and, and then, they couldn't just say that. Couldn't just say, well, <laughs> I, I think it has to do a bit with translation of language because, um, you know, sense. I mean, when did we, when did the term human come around? Go to the Google machine. Go to the Google machine. And then humanity after that, right? Right. Um, As language evolves and as we come up with new terms for things, that's where this stuff comes from. I can tell you one thing. The term heterosexual and the term homosexual, neither one of those existed until the end of the uh, 19th century. Mm -hmm. Human was first used in the 13th century. Okay. Human? Yep. 
humanity was in the 1400s. So you have up until that time, the term to describe humanity would have been mankind or man or man and, and woman or male and female. Well, not male and female. Those are more modern terms too. Yeah. Anyway, what was humanity's role? What, what, why did God make us? Because this is important too to differentiate. Is there, is there a hierarchy? Well, in the Bible, the, the first thing is that humanity's role or purpose is to rule over creation. And some people don't like that because who are we to rule over anything? In the Bible, it says have dominion. A better way to explain what that rulership looks like is stewardship. We're to steward God's creation, which, you know, regardless of where you are politically, whether you think there's climate change or not, I think that part of the calling of a Christian is to understand that all that we have isn't ours, that it belongs from God and that we should take care of it to pass it on to the next generation. Mm -hmm. I think we could all agree with that, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good. (laughs) Get hate mail. like, (laughs) Like, you know. You're in North Dakota. That's not going to be in the ocean like Florida is or whatever. (laughs) People get angry about silly stuff like that. So the first one is rule. But then the second one has to do with how God created. It says, um, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That means that whether you're male or whether you're female, you are an image bearer of the one true God. And that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And God made us to be in relationship with each other. And in relationship with God, mm-hmm. that's our kind of our natural inclinations uh, to be in relationship. There's not a whole lot of people that truly have the gift of solitude. I, all of us have times where, especially if you're introverted, where you need time alone, but we'll inevitably become lonely over time when our batteries are recharged because we want to be in relation. Even mm-hmm. if it's, I don't want to talk to anybody, but I'll go to a store and just, mm-hmm go shopping just to be around other people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think if, even if you think about how people use entertainment now, mm-hmm. not many people are just watching like a trail cam of animals. <laughs> like people are watching other movies people. with people, with actors, TikToks, right. YouTube videos, whatever. Right. With other people in it. We are social beings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are people that, that are truly like, nope, I want to live in the woods and I don't want to talk to anybody. But th- those are more the exception than the rule. Mm-hmm. Are you shaking your head like, like I, I don't want to live in the, the woods, but I want to I be alone I'm somewhere in, in the, the city. Because I literally thought about this this week and I'm like, why do people live in Alaska? Mm-hmm. Why? There's mm-hmm. You want to live next to a bear. That's, that's great. Not me. <laughs> Absolutely not. I am city dwelling. Uh-huh. But I want no one around. Yeah. <laughs> Dana's been very, very gifted to be an introvert. That's been the target of a lot of extroverted friends. <laughs> I don't know how I do this either, though. <laughs> Why? Yep. So many. She's like, I just want to be home. We're like, no. Like, what are you doing? I'm at home. Leave Why? me alone. <laughs> because that's what I do. That's my thing. <laughs> Where else would I be? Right. I'm in my spot. Yep. <laughs> Okay, so so then we get to the third one, which has to do with the relationship of both the first two, and it's uh, humanity's role is to create. God says, uh, uh, "Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth." That's that's an ongoing mandate that has not ended. Um, and so, 
Why is that important? It's how God chooses to create more humans, to, to create more life. And so right at the beginning, you have this equality of men and women who are equal in the eyes of God and yet unique. They're not the same. They're not, they're not carbon copies of each other. But with both of them together, God creates life. When, you know, as <laughs> the next message I give, I might have to speak about um, marital relations quite a bit. And so I'm trying to figure out how to use different terms. And, and Gail in her office had the best, the best one. She said, just say to the people in church, carnal knowledge. They'll know what you're talking about. <laughs> Gail does have the best one-liners. Right? <laughs> Because it's also like the most like unexpected. Yep. Place. Right. Like, Gail said that. Or or say or say, just say yada yada yada. They'll know what you mean. <laughs> That's a Paulism. That's a Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Paul will know what we mean. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that it takes two people, physical intimacy, babies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that's the role, and it, and it's completely equal between the men and the woman. What happened? Because. We get this this one phrase that I, I have friends that I would I, I I think they would consider themselves feminist that don't like the fact that in the story of Adam and Eve you got Adam first and then he says it's not good for for Adam to be alone uh, I will make him a helper fit for him is that a subordinate role do you think a helper. It's been taken that way. I, I was going to say, I, I think you could interpret it that way, but I think it would also depend on, I want to phrase this right. Like I think about the evolution of almost like in an office role, you don't have secretaries anymore. You have right. like <laughs> personal assistants. Yeah. You yeah. have, stu- you know, you have, it's all dependent on what the above leader has intended for that role. Right. I, but I will say that in in the use of the language of even explaining it, you're giving it a hierarchy where the the assistant mm-hmm. is a lesser role. She has some someone who is above her, her boss, mm-hmm. yeah, or his boss. Mm-hmm. The helper is a subordinate role in that example. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yes and no, because I think in Adam and Eve, Adam wouldn't be. Eve's God is Eve's God, not Adam. Oh no. And I agree with you. Um, I'm, I'm talking about the example of, of a boss with a a secretary where we don't use the term secretary Mm -hmm. anymore, but it's not as if the boss would necessarily treat his assistant, whoever that may be, Mm -hmm. you know, even if you have a female boss, the assistant's job is to take care of the needs that I need them to do to assist. Mm -hmm. And, and I get paid more than them and, do you see what I'm right. saying? Yeah, different roles. Right, and that's often how we use use the term helper, though. It's more of a subordinate in, in just the way our language is. But if you look it up in Hebrew, there's something interesting about the word. So two things. <clears throat> the word in Hebrew is, is azer, which literally means ally. So helper is not in this context. I think it's a problem of the English language. I was going to say, like, when you give examples, I can't think of one that's, like, not hierarchy. Yeah. Right. Like, but I think that's that an English thing, not. Of, of yeah. like, Adam and Eve, I'm like, 
if he's meant to take care of the earth and populate it, he can't without her. So right. like, yeah. there can't be a hierarchy because he like actually needs her. Right. And that's where it's like confusing. And, and, and she needs him. You know I what mean, it almost is? It's like in the office, like you have the assistant branch manager and the assistant to the assistant branch manager. <laughs> it's what it is. Yeah. Like Adam is Michael Scott. Eve I, is was Dwight. Say, I was going to say, I'm the assistant branch. He's the assistant the, to the, the branch the manager. manager. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the term is ally, but, but something else that's interesting about scripture more so than the woman. The woman is only called the helper once. The The person in the Old Testament who's called the helper the most is God. Oh. So it doesn't have an inferior status mm-hmm. to the man. In fact, it's it's basically presupposed that they are helpers to each other. They're co-workers, mm-hmm. if you will, um, and are equal in the boss's eyes who's God. Mm-hmm. I just like the idea of Adam and Eve <laughs> as coworkers. That's funny to me. Like we're coworkers. I'm, I'm still on the office, like reference, and it's like okay, so Eve would definitely be Jim, and Adam is Dwight. Got it. And when, we're coworkers. We're can not somebody friends. please make that into a meme and send it to us? And when and when when you get into the story of the serpent and the fruit, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it all checks out. <laughs> And that's where we go next. So what what happens to this this harmonious relationship established by God for the purpose of being the good creation, which is what we're meant to be? Well, um, you get uh, Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was uh, to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. I'm reading really small print here. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. I have seen documents in the history of Christendom that blame Eve for the fall of humanity into sin. Adam still ate it too though. Right? (laughs) Only in the Bible is only one person blamed for the sin of humanity. And it's in, it's in the new Testament. It's in Paul's letters, and the one who's blamed is Adam, not Eve. But the church has spoken. Um, I, I'm not saying it, the modern church is like this, but it's it, it, it's one of those tropes. It's one of those stories. Uh, we'll call it a canard. One of those canards, false narrative, that's been read into the history of the church where women like Eve like Mary Magdalene, um, those are usually the one, uh, Mary, uh, the sister of Martha, um, they're given bad reputations, not because of what scripture says, but but how humanity uses it. And this story actually presupposes that's going to happen. See, mm-hmm. in eating the fruit, you guys all caught it right away. Who was right there with Eve? Adam. Adam. In the story, the one who actually failed the test is Adam. Only because he was given the command by God, if you eat of this, you will surely die. He shared that information with uh, Eve, but in the role of having dominion, and Eve had it too, but in the role of having dominion, what should Adam have done? 
he should have walked over and crushed the serpent's head. Because that that then becomes something that God says he's going to restore. Uh, I will give you a, a, a blessed seed, a child, uh, and you will crush the serpent's head, but he will he will bite your heel, but you will crush the serpent's head. That's been understood theologically as the coming of, of Jesus Christ to make all things right. Uh, after sin is established in the earth and, uh, and death as a consequence of sin, and that the serpent is... Um, uh, was was taken over by the devil or is a manifestation of the devil, however you want to read that. Those are the great enemies that going forth in the rest of Scripture, God is dealing with. So he has this perfect, harmonious creation in the garden. Sin enters into the world with death as a consequence of sin and with the power of the devil in creation. Adam and Eve having eaten the fruit, they're now bound to a word of wanting to be their own gods. In other words, not trusting God. It's this whole breakdown in the order of how things are supposed to be in relationship to God. And so what goes forth is not the Bible condoning oppression from one group of people to another. Um, What you end up getting after both the woman and the man choose to sin is that the rest of the Bible is an all too honest report of how people treat each other and in particular, wield power against each other in a broken creation. So, I mean, that's kind of the long, the long view. Why, why is it taking us so long to get to a point of equal rights? Well, could it be that just the, the, the reaction of time with the word of God going forward, speaking truth, has taken this long to get to a point where there's some semblance of equality. It's not perfect by any means and won't be this side of the eschaton of Christ coming because there's always going to be sin. Um, but that's the starting point. Harmony at the beginning, broken by sin, and then God is working to save his creation from the harm that it's put itself into. And what is one of the byproducts of that harm? Uh, oppression. Oppression of one group over another or one person over another. You see the oppression in, in families. You see the oppression in, in um, uh, ethnic groups. You see the oppression in nations. It's a, it's a power, it's it's a power mm-hmm. struggle everywhere. And we speak of it like this way, um, you know, in a naturalistic fashion. Uh, the world is designed that, um, for natural selection and that might makes right. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's, that's, that's how the story is played out. So then the question comes then, okay, well then how does the Bible speak about women? If it starts with this place of, of, of equality that goes to a place of inequality, mm-hmm. how do we get to a point where we want, where we seek returning to equality? Um, well, you get, you get Jesus and his interaction with women, which is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, in the new Testament, the portrayal of women engaging with Jesus is stunningly, stunningly countercultural mm-hmm. in the time that it was written, mm-hmm. and even in many ways today too. Um, and you can you can actually track it if you ever chose to do this. Track Jesus' interaction and every time that he talks about women and what he says and what the what the consequence of what he says is. It's very fascinating. Um, First of all, Jesus stops to address women on the way to the cross. It's the only group that he stops to see. As he's going to the cross, 
we hear about, you know, him stumbling along, carrying his cross. Simon of Cyrene is made to carry his cross. But he stops in Luke chapter 23, and he speaks to the women, and he gives them a title of honor. Uh, he says, uh, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children. And his concern is for them, not himself. Um, Jesus' valuing of women is unmistakable in the healing accounts. So some churchgoers, some, some bigwigs in the, in the synagogue get all in a huff because Jesus healed a woman on, on Sunday. You know, it's church day. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? There's, there, and basically makes the argument, there's six days to heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, come back one of those days. This is what Jesus says. He says, then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? This is in Luke chapter 13, verses 15 through 17. They are comparing, they're making the value of this woman less than livestock. And Jesus isn't having any of it. Listen to what he says. And ought not this woman, that's the first thing he says, the title of honor for the image of God. Remember? Men and women? Mm-hmm. So calling her uh, not just a woman, but this woman, a person with, with inherent intrinsic value, and, and names her, and you're the image of God. That's what woman means. And then he goes on and he says, and a daughter of Abraham. Abraham is the one who's specially chosen by God and blessed to be a blessing to the entire world, and that that blessing would, would rest on both his sons and his daughters. So that's what Jesus is saying about the woman that the church leaders are saying is less than livestock. Um, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. After he says this, everybody in the room, this is how when the truth gets spoken, it has a way of changing even groups of people because we get so clouded by the lies of the world. It says, and as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. Any thoughts on that stuff so far? No, it's cool to hear in this yeah. context. Yeah. Well, and got to go with Jesus. I mean, uh, <laughs> he's, he's usually right. And by usually it's all it's the usually time. usually a good choice. Right. <laughs> Even in the other parts. Of, and yep. honestly, all of the Bible is Jesus. You just got to understand the context in which mm-hmm. it's given and what, what word stands and what doesn't. But honestly, if you find something difficult to understand in the Old Testament, just go to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Find out what he's talking about on the same subject and go with that. That's usually <laughs> a good way to go. Jesus elevates, this is the, the I think, the third point about, G, oh, fourth point. Jesus elevates women as moral examples. He, he basically scolds this Pharisee named Simon in his own house because this woman comes up and she's crying tears and she begins, you know, uh, crying on Jesus' feet and then wiping away the tears with her hair and, you know, anoints, anoints his feet. And Simon's all ticked off. He's like, that woman's a known sinner. She's, she's bad. Jesus says, do you see this woman? Again, title of made in the, you're an image bearer of God. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. So there she's, this woman is lifted up as, as an, a moral example to follow, really. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we're like, 
what are the examples in the Bible that we should follow? Sometimes people follow the wrong examples. Uh, this is an example for everybody to follow. Turn to Jesus. Give him all your stuff. <laughs> all your bad stuff. Yeah. Just give it to him. He'll take it. Um, and this one, someone told me they were really surprised by this. Jesus had female disciples. It wasn't just the 12. They, they get a special designation as the apostles. Um, but all the other ones are also disciples. Now, some people will say, no, they're not really disciples. They're just women folk that are serving the men folk and traveling with them, but they're not actual disciples. You can make an argument for that um, because of the times and just the way things were, except for Luke chapter 10, verses 41 through 42. There you have the story of Martha and Mary. It says, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, Martha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yep. <laughs> You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Martha's doing the usual roles for mm-hmm. women that uh, they've been traditional roles even to our day. You know, the cooking, the cleaning. Mm-hmm. It's not biblical. It just happens to be cultural. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary doesn't do this while Martha's doing all the work. She goes and sits down at the feet of Jesus, just like, any of the men were. And Jesus' response wasn't, Mary, I'm glad you're here. Go make us some sandwiches. He treats her like he would any of the disciples. And then when questioned about it by Martha, Jesus' response is, she's chosen the good portion. She's chosen it. I'm not taking it away from her. So there you have an example of an actual disciple doing what a disciple does with her teacher. Any questions on Jesus? No, I think, I don't know if this point was made to you in there, but one of the things that always stood out for me from doing like the Lenten and Easter dramas that we do here yep. is the power of it. It wasn't one of the 12 disciples who went and found Jesus in the tomb and was the first to share the message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was women. Right. Yep. The first preacher was women. When all the disciples scattered, you know, who stuck around near the cross, the women. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, and, and I'm not, you know, don't, don't misunderstand. I'm not putting women on a higher pedestal because also when the angel first shows up in, in the gospel of Mark, it's to women and they all run away and don't tell anybody. <laughs> but, but then we're the all first, still sinners. <laughs> but exactly. That's kind of the point. But, but the first preacher of the gospel was a woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mary Magdalene, mm-hmm. he's risen. And even Mary Magdalene, I mean, she, she's had a horrible, uh, canard said about her throughout the history of the church that's just not true right. um, that she's a she was a prostitute and uh, all these things well no she was someone who had seven demons in her she was possessed and set free from jesus and so mm-hmm. it's jesus. unfortunately one of the the idea that the bible you know second class is women is unfortunately the bad side of culture surrounding christianity sometimes and that's that's the point that that's that is being shared after we get through genesis 1 and into genesis 2 (laughs) the whole rest of it until you get to basically to jesus is explaining and recording just how bad people are to Mm -hmm. each other and then god will speak words and even the words that we find super uh, uh, strange in the law were actually given to protect especially when it uh, pertains to women, was given to protect a woman's value and honor in an oppressive society where she was treated as second or even third class or, or a slave. Like there's a verse, we've talked about this before, in I want to say it's Leviticus or something, 
It's one of those hard words where it's like, if a man knows a woman when she's a virgin and isn't married to her, basically oh, yep. he, yeah. has to, he has to pay the bride price. Or And if he doesn't, you know, um, no harm shall come to her. And it's like, wait a minute, girl gets raped and she has to marry the guy? That sounds terrible. That sounds terrible. Yeah, right. yep. it does. Uh, but in the context in which it was given, it was, it was given to protect mm-hmm. the woman from basically death. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Not that she would be put to death, but that she would be destitute and have no way of living and surviving. Mm-hmm. And it would stop any kind of honor war that would have happened mm-hmm. between the tribes in Israel. Mm-hmm. It was a law given to Israel at a specific time, it's not for 21st century yeah. United States. Right. You know, we have we have better laws. <laughs> we have other laws yeah. to do that. Because we- it's not just a sin, it's a felony. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Judge DJ. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be on yeah. the mug. I need that somewhere. <laughs> That's great. There are consequences in real life. Yep. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, getting t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So probably one of the biggest slobber knockers verses in, in the Bible or clobber knockers or however you want to say that. I, I think of like Marvel superheroes. <laughs> Wham, boom, pow is Ephesians chapter 5, 22 through 32, 31. And um, I, I've been a pastor preaching in churches um about 20 years. And I was surprised by this and I shouldn't have been because I have preached a lot in 20 years. So some, most churches follow a preset preaching schedule of the Bible that has an old Testament reading, a new Testament reading, a Psalm reading and a gospel reading. It's called, it's called the revised common lectionary. Most churches throughout the world use use one form of it. Mm-hmm. Of it, there's the Roman Catholic version. There's the Greek Orthodox version. There's the Protestant version, or Lutheran version, and and they're all fairly similar. And and the reason for it is that in three years you're supposed to be able to get have heard most of the Bible on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they repeat even certain verses, but you know what's not in any of them, any of them, any of them. At any time in that entire revised common lectionary of Roman Catholics or Lutherans, um, there's no reading of Ephesians 25 or, or mm. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. Why? I don't know. I think, I think uh, sometimes... Someone somewhere was like, mm, don't like it. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I think people will believe the hype in the culture about themselves, especially Christians mm-hmm. about the church. Uh, you know, we made all these mistakes, so on and so forth. Yeah, we've made mistakes. Mm-hmm. This, this one made me scratch my head a little bit because as I did research on Ephesians five, I found this to be absolutely brilliant to speak to the equality between men and women. But because most people, I don't think it past the first verse. Oh, it breaks down. So what's it say? Um, this is, this is, it's known as the marriage metaphor in Ephesians. Remember Ephesians is a symbol point to something else. Mm-hmm. Paul's going to speak about marriage between a husband and a wife as, um, equivalent 
or as a symbol pointing to the relationship between Jesus and the church. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one's going to have the role of husband. One's going to have the role of wife. Jesus will have the role of husband. The church will have the role of wife. I think I know what verse this is. I was like, now that... Yeah, you had like an I, aha I, moment I, there. I, I was this like, I know you, and I was like, I and I've already started cringing from yep. the first part. Yeah, <laughs> they don't get past the first verse. I was like, oh, ding, it's ding, this ding. one. <laughs> so, what's the first verse? It says, "Wives, submit." And at that point, the Bible is closed, <laughs> and nope. we're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> let's no see. Let's, let's go back to Jesus and yeah. Luke. That Can was, that was that a lot psalm? better. <laughs> it says, wives, submit your husbands as to the Lord. And then it goes on, uh, verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. goes on in verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Can I get an amen? Crickets. Nope. <laughs> Just Crickets. <laughs> And it's it's interesting because there's three things that are offensive. One, submit. Two, the husband is the head of the wife. And three, I'm supposed to submit in everything. <laughs> this is one of those verses. What? You know those Bible verses that like make parents like tap their kids to be like, are you listening? <laughs> this is one that I think if any husband was to like kind of <laughs> like, elbow his wife a little bit to be like, are you listening? I don't think you'd be living long after that. No. It was funny. I said in church on Sunday after I read this, I said, women, can I get an amen? <laughs> Crickets. Nothing. You get nothing. <laughs> Better than booze. Yeah, right. <laughs> at least they're not like yeah. thrown tomatoes at you. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's, comes out and pulls yep. <laughs> That's always a danger. That's why I like being on um, the stage in the ark. I got a little bit of wiggling yeah. room. I can get around. <laughs> not so much in the, in the sanctuary. Yeah, a little closer range. <laughs> all right. You guys ready to see how cool this is? Okay. First of all, the word submit in Greek is the word hypotasso. It literally means subject. Now, we can think of that as like a ruler and a subject, right? And we get bad ideas of bad rulers and so on. But the ideal ruler in the Bible is the servant, the shepherd. And so what is of primary importance and purpose for the, the, the king? The subject. And we use it in our language. Think about this for yourself. In a marriage relationship, as the wife, would you rather be the subject or the object in the marriage? I want to be the subject. Yeah. Yeah. The subject is primary. The object, in a sentence, you have subject and object in a mm -hmm. sentence, right? Yeah. The subject is primary. The object is ancillary. Who wants to be objectified in their marriage? Nobody. Nobody. You want to be subjectified. <laughs> <laughs> because you're primary and you're mm -hmm. the primary concern. That's what that means. Mm. It's not actually. This is also a lot of words and I'm like, I again, know, Dana's not great at English. Yep. Well, my point being is that this is not actually a command to women. This entire section is a command to men. And it's going to go on because it's going to, the, the women part is over. I've, I've, it says what women are. Now we're going to hear what men have to do. And it's a lot longer. <laughs> and even here. It's like twice as long. Yeah. Yeah. But not only that in here, check this out. Okay. So the next defensive word, the head. We don't like that either. No man's the head of my life. Right. Head is uh, 
kephale, and it literally means capstone. So in buildings where they had stones, you had two stones that were really important. You had um, the cornerstone. That was that was the it was a little bit bigger, and you built everything off of that. Mm-hmm. Jesus has actually been called both of these synonymously: the capstone and the cornerstone. Once you get done with the entire structure, there's one last stone that you put on. It's called the capstone, and it's at the top of the structure. It's not at the bottom. Okay, that's mm-hmm. why it gets translated as head. But the entire purpose of it is really interesting. The capstone is the stone that holds its structure together. How many families have been abandoned by the father where the mom has to raise the children on her own? That's a failure to carry out God's admonition or or, or I should say God's mandate. There's... You could argue that there are several different types of privilege in the United States. I don't know about all of them. Some, I think, are kind of a stretch. But I've seen the statistics that point out that two-parent privilege is a thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you got two parents, you're more likely to thrive. Mm -hmm. Um, Have a better emotional health. mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I'm not saying that, that two parents guarantees that you're mm-hmm. going to have a great life. It's just, it's harder if you don't. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. more challenges that are put in your way. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing. Yep. And so what's the job of the husband? It's your job to, to be a man and, and, and take care of your family, to be there. Doesn't mean you rule him because he's going to go on. It says, you know, if wives are to submit... What about husbands? Well, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And guys are like, oh, love, get her some flowers on Valentine's Day. No. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. The word here for love, you always got to check whenever love comes up because there's different ones that mean different things. It's, It's agape or it's literally agapao. And it's not an emotion. Like we think of love like, oh, I love... You know, usually when we say we love someone, we get, you know, uh, 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 happy feelings in our gut or, you know, usually we mean we really, really like or we care. Love is, in this sense, is something more. Agape love is is an unconditional kind of love. It's a sacrificial love. It's meant as an action, not an emotion. And it's an action of unconditional committed service and sacrifice for the beloved. So what's harder to do for the wife to submit or for the husband to do agape love? What do you think? The love. Love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love's harder. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I was going to mention earlier to, to subject yourself in the relationship means to owe service, obedience, and honor. That's what the wife is mandated to do. The husband is mandated to give himself entirely for his wife, uh, his entire life. Give your entire life to your wife. That's, that's some, that's some um, deep devotion that when you have both giving to each other, um, then you have a marriage that can make it through pretty much any bad thing that can happen. So what's happening here? What is Ephesians saying? 
he sends he sums it up um, in verse 33. He says, "Let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband." Okay, so now we have four words that have been said. But before I explain that, I want to go back to the verse just before we started. 522 is where we started. But in 521, this is what Paul says. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So who's supposed to submit to who? When I said this on Sunday, I said, men, submit to your wives. Amen? Got a whole lot of amens. (laughs) Then I said, wives, submit to your husbands. Amen? Then I got a couple from the women. (laughs) But before he says any of this stuff, he says to everybody, submit to each other mm-hmm. out of reverence for Christ. Mm-hmm. Reverence means respect. Mm-hmm. It means, it means uh, Jesus is my guy. He's the Lord of my life. I'm going to follow and, and do what he asked me to do. It, it's not always what I want to do, but that's, that's what it means to revere him. So what Paul has now done is he's taken four words and he's turned them into synonyms. The words are submit revere, respect, and love. And I think that he's speaking these different words to the men and the women because from my own experience, uh, men and women are equal and yet unique. And they need to be communicated to according to how they communicate. This is generality, but, and I maybe said this to you guys before, but like, if you watch little kids, you can discover some of the uniqueness between men and women. Little boys, when they make relationships, they make relationships by playing games together where they define the rules. So we're going to play cops and robbers. Bang, uh, you're dead. Lay on the ground and count to 10 until you can get up again. Uh, we're going we're gonna to play horse, and the last shot has to be a hook shot. You know, the rules define the relationship. And so you can compete and you can interact. And there's very specific rules by which justice will be carried out, right? <laughs> if you watch little girls, the way that they create relationship is by sharing secrets. So, you know, one little girl goes up, Addie goes up to Reese and says, you know, Two girls that aren't related, but have my kids' names, Addie and Reese. (laughs) Addie goes up to Reese and and says, I want to tell you a secret. Don't tell anybody. You're my best friend. And there's there's an emotional and intellectual relationship that gets connected alongside the doing together. When men and women interact and they get into conflict, if they aren't aware of the uniqueness of the other, um, this is where, this is where trouble happens. I mean, this is where you hit a wall of conflict that can, that can end in, in tears between men and women. Um, it's cause they don't know how to communicate properly with each other. Men and women get in an argument, man and woman gets in an argument about doing the dishes. The man is arguing what's happening right in front of him. The details of the argument. Uh, you know, you, you said do the dishes. You didn't say I had to do them right the second. Um, you know, I, I just got home. Let me, give me a minute. I'll take care of the dishes. Or I did the dishes yesterday. You should do the dishes, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. The woman will argue the situation while at the same time, and this is why women are more complex communicate communicatively 
My wife said, you made that up. That's not a word. <laughs> well, she would know. Okay. She's going to know communication. You're arguing not just what's happening on the table. You're arguing how that is emotionally affecting you. We also have receipts. Yeah. We're going to start pulling. <laughs> so it's not just the issue of the dishes. It's also, why are you doing this to me? Why are you trying to hurt me? It, it, it can, it, it moves from the details to emotions. And the problem is when arguing with a man that wants to argue the rules, their blood pressure can rise real quickly to the point that they see red and they can't think cognitively anymore. And then you have like a flight or fight response, which unfortunately does happen and does lead to, to, you know, uh, abuse of kinds. I'm not saying that that's justified. What I'm saying is those are the steps by if the man understood how his wife communicates and the wife does too, you may have may be able to get away from the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Paul's doing that when he says, Mm -hmm. and and again, this is a generality. This isn't for anybody, but I, I think there's some truth in this. When he says, um, wives, uh, uh, husbands love your wives. Wives respect your husbands. I think that if a man feels that his thoughts and feelings are validated, don't have to be agreed with, just recognize that I'm saying something, as dumb as it may sound. He feels loved. If he feels that he's respected, if he's shown that he's respected, he feels that he's loved. Mm -hmm. I think it's the reverse for women. And it's this kind of agape love. If you show a woman that you love her, she will feel respected. So what is Paul saying? He's saying the same thing to both of them. He's saying honor each other. It's not about a woman being subjugated in some way. The man's not told to rule over his wife. He's told to love her and to love her by giving everything mm-hmm. for her. Mm-hmm. This is a beautiful text. Why we haven't been, been preaching on this uh, it makes no sense to me. Questions, comments? Well, now I can't really cringe at weddings anymore when they read this. I'm going to have to look at my friends and go, <laughs> man, you're well, so the, smart. The one <laughs> thing that I thought of was that like, when, cause like, if you look at a Bible, they're like, they had the little headers and everything. Mm-hmm. The worst thing they could have done was not put the one before with it. So yeah. Right. It started with that mm-hmm. one of like, who decided that's, we're going to cut it here and we're going to go, this is about marriage. And you're going to start with that one. You know what? I love that you pointed that out, Dana, because that's not what it says in the original texts. All those headers, all. They don't exist. <laughs> the who chapters. Put them yeah. who, went, who looked at it was like, I'm going to put a Somebody header with right a sick, here. Sick sense of humor. <laughs> Someone edited, <laughs> yep. Someone edited that uh, many centuries after yeah. the Bible was written down. In fact, mm-hmm. Martin Luther, in the 1500s, I believe his Bible was broken up into chapters, but not verses, and certainly not oh. not sections that have titles yeah, as to sections. what's what. Worse than <laughs> I'm just imagining today's day and age with like Martin Luther's Bible. Like we're gonna turn to Mark 15. About six or seven-ish sentences down. <laughs> Find this word. <laughs> this is where we're starting. Oh, it was even worse than that. No one had Bibles except for Martin oh, Luther, no. and it was written in Latin. Oh, 
It no, was no, only no. that's Follow true. That's it, before the that's printing. That it was only after, yeah, that he came that they finally had German in mm-hmm. their own language. But did he think to number the system? No, 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 no. no. So terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you thoroughly convinced that the Bible that Christians uh, don't denigrate women, or that the Bible doesn't denigrate women? I'm convinced that the Bible yeah. doesn't. I was going to say, Christians the Bible doesn't. Do. Correcting your statement, the Bible does not. All right, then I will, I, then I can hold that uh, when it says, doesn't Christianity denigrate women? The answer has to be no. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, there are people who say that they are Christians who, who do. do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. And they use the Bible as their excuse without actually having... And understanding. Well, they just read the first verse of yeah. Ephesians yeah. 5. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it says it right here. That's why you always got to say, keep reading. Yep. Keep That's going. probably the, mo- the most important lesson that I've learned from wor- previously working and going to church here is don't cherry pick because sometimes you'll see a very nice verse that says something and then you read before and after and it's like, oh, <laughs> actually, that doesn't work. That's not very nice. Yeah. You put it in context. Yeah. It kind of changes or, the meaning. Or the of opposite it. of, yep. oh, that sounds terrible. Oh, man, no, that's actually really good. Yeah. Changes the meaning of Severus, mm-hmm. please. Yep. Mm-hmm. If I could do Gotta a British accent, I'd do it that way. Severus, please. Oh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, good enough for today? I think so. All right. We don't need to that go into the other one then. No, nope. we'll cover that next week when Ryan's back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put him on the spot. All right, Ryan. <laughs> well, you know what? That's, uh, that's all that we have for today. I'm Pastor DJ Lura, and on behalf of... Sarah DeYoung and Dana Mashevsky and our buddy who is getting better, Ryan Janke. Uh, thank you for joining us for another monumental Ooh. episode of That Podcast. Ooh.